Well, Lord, we do thank you for the glorious day, uh, the day that you saved us from our sins. Uh, Father, we cannot uh, ever repay you. Uh, we can never uh, worship you enough. Uh, but Lord, we thank you for the truth of what we've uh, sang here today. And um, Lord, we thank you for the talent that you've given uh, our, our church family. And may you take glory and honor above everything else. Uh, we love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, the book of James, we're back here again this morning. And remember, uh, if you were with us last week, this was written to, uh, by Jesus' own half-brother to Jewish believers who were scattered around Palestine because of persecution. And we saw last week, uh, much of what James writes about falls under the umbrella of trials. Trials, that famous verse, chapter 1, verse 2. Uh, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect or complete work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Uh, we saw trials include a lot of things. Temptation to uh, sin, uh, hardships, faith-shaking moments, difficulties. And uh, we we saw it last week, and likely nothing has changed this week. Uh, There are many times in our lives that we just don't want to hear, count it all joy. Find joy in the trials. Uh, But probably those are the the, the times that we need to hear it the most. Uh, We have a different perspective now uh, in Christ. uh, Because of that glorious day that we ran out of the grave. One that the gospel gives us. We can now stand on what we know that there is purpose behind every trial. Every trial is a part of the custom-tailored plan that God has for each one of us to make us more and more like Jesus. James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Uh, we saw that uh, finding joy in trials takes wisdom. And so the question becomes, where is the first place that you turn to find wisdom? And in any given situation, do we even consider that God cares and will give insight on our decisions? Our answer to some of these questions tells us a lot about our spiritual health. James tells us to ask God and to ask in faith because uh, there is a big difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom makes me more like Christ, but worldly wisdom uh, makes me more like the world. This worldly wisdom uh, makes me more like the old me before Christ in the grave. And James says, earthly wisdom is demonic and it's straight from Satan. That's why we're told to test the spirits, 1 John 4.1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how do we test the spirits? We remain close to God. It's intimate koinonia that we've talked about before. Intimate fellowship with God. Saturating our lives with the word of God so that we know what his voice sounds like. Remember, there are things that deceive. We, this is where we ended last week. Uh, three different times James uses some form of the word deceive. Uh, James 1, 16 through 16-17 tells us that good things can deceive. Just a review there on your outline. Uh, verse 16, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights 
with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Uh, We have experienced ourselves. Uh, We work hard. We see the results. Good, God-given things begin to take first place in our lives. And then pride begins to well up. And we, uh, we begin to think, oh, look what I have built Look, what I've, look at all that I have done. These, these good things that God has given us as gifts have generated pride. They've become idols. They have deceived. And it's not because of, of God. James 1.13 tells us that God does not tempt us. It's because of our sinful hearts. James 1.22 tells us that complacency deceives. The next blank there on your outline. Complacency. Uh, 122 says, be doers of the word and not hearers of only. We see that, that Jesus was a man of action. And if any of us believe that a relationship with him just looks like coming here each Sunday and sitting and soaking up the truth, but then leaving and it having no effect anywhere else in our lives, we too have been deceived. And so today we see the third thing that James tells us deceives. It is the tongue. The tongue. Uh, James one twenty six. <clears throat> If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religious is useless. Notice that word useless. It means devoid of truth. And so God's word tells us if we think that we are religious, we think we are holy, if we can't control what we say, then we have been deceived. There is no truth to our religion. There is no truth to our perceived Holiness, uh, bridling or guarding the tongue, it covers a few areas. So let's just look at a few of those. Uh, the first one is colorful speech. Colorful speech. Uh, we might call it a potty mouth. Uh, do, do you ever let, just let curse words fly um, when you're away from here? Um, I've discovered it's interesting as a pastor when people uh, discover that I am a pastor. Uh, a lot of times their mouths will clean up. And, and that's, that's great, that's fine. Uh, But the truth is, uh, you know, God is watching and offending him is a whole lot more uh, important um, that we don't do that than offending a guy like me. How colorful is your speech? I can remember reading a a book about youth ministry uh, years ago. And in, in it, the author said, the most godly lady, the godliest lady that I know, cusses like a sailor. And, and something, something, there was a check in my spirit, you know. Um, how can we, I, I just couldn't juxtapose uh, cussing like a sailor and being the most godly person. Um, there, there, there's, a, there's a disconnect right there. Um, because if our mouths reflect our hearts and our hearts reflect Jesus, shouldn't our mouths reflect Jesus? Maybe for you a word slips from time to time, and when that happens, is there a stirring in your heart to confess it as sin? That's different than cussing like a sailor. Our mouths should reflect our hearts. Uh, The next thing, guarding the tongue could include the jokes that we make too. The jokes that we make. Uh, and, and, and we know exactly what I'm talking about. Jokes that you wouldn't tell your grandma, but you would tell your friends. God says, don't be deceived. Jesus said it like this. Luke 6, 43. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. 
If the stuff that is coming out of our mouths does not reflect Jesus, then we need to do a heart check. And, and we could add in there, it's not on your outline, but we could add hateful speech. You know, I mean, how, how do you talk to your, to your spouse? Uh, how do you talk to your kids? I mean, th- there's, a, there's one thing about disciplining, but there's something else about being hateful. Does your speech reflect Jesus? Uh, guarding the tongue also includes gossip. Gossip. So maybe you thought, well, I don't have a potty mouth, and uh, I don't tell bad jokes. I'm going to get out of here scot-free. Well, here it is. This one's for you, right? Uh, guarding the tongue includes gossip. Uh, there are a few different types of gossip. There is the venting gossip. When, when someone has made us mad, someone something has done, we turn to social media or the phone or whatever else to spread the news and let everybody know how mad we are. Uh, some of us probably need to learn to bite our tongues, if you know what, I'm, if you know what I mean. Uh, there's the prayer request gossip, uh, disguised as spiritual maturity, but it really only reveals spiritual shallowness. And then, of course, there's just the juicy gossip, uh, news about someone that we just can't keep to ourselves. Uh, there is so much good stuff we just really want to pass on, don't we? Even though Satan likes to take our words and blow them out of proportion and twist them and make a wreck of them. Uh, We have seen this before, this next acronym. Our kids learn it in school, but somewhere uh, between childhood and adulthood, many times we forget, think. Think. Uh, Think about the gossip that you're about to share. Think about the post you're getting ready to hit send on. Uh, First, the T stands for, is it true? Is it even true? true many times with gossip we're not sure if it's true or not and so we could be spreading lies uh, with whatever we pass along and remember who is the father of lies john eight forty four tells us it's, it's satan that's why he loves gossip if you don't know whether it's true or not keep it to yourself h is it helpful is it helpful? It may be true, but is it really helpful? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Another translation says, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Uh, kind of like the, uh, the dad whose little boy came to him and asked the dreaded question that all dads fear. Where do babies come from? He was only five years old, and uh, his dad was ready for this moment. He had been studying up, and, and he had this long medical explanation. And so he proceeded to tell his son the long medical explanation. And, and an hour and a half later, uh, the dad says, okay, son, was, was that helpful? And he kind of, the son kind of wipes the boredom off his face. He said, um, well, uh, Joey's dad said, uh, they just come from mom. That's, that's really all he was looking for, you know. It, it was not helpful. All this information, maybe it was true, but it was not helpful at all. Uh, we need to consider if what we're saying, if what we're posting is helpful to the ones that we're talking about and, and talking to. Is it helpful? The I stands for important. Is it really important? Some things may be true, some things may be helpful, but is it really important? In the big scheme of life, does it really matter if everybody knows how mad you are at somebody? Does it really matter? Probably not. The end is for necessary. Is it necessary? Uh, Many times with gossip, we are just talking to be talking. It's idle babbling that 2 Timothy 2 talks about. 
Uh, We're just talking to build ourselves up. And if that's the case, then there's an issue of pride. A lot of things could go unsaid and, and life would just be just fine. And the K stands for kind. Is it kind? If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Uh, This is what our kids learn in elementary school. But how much more should people who claim Jesus on our lives reflect these qualities? If what we want to say checks these boxes, then it's probably worth the same. So just just think back on, on on the week this week, the conversations you've had. With your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, uh, the people that you work with. Uh, Did any of them involve colorful or inappropriate language? Any any hateful language? Or any of these different types of gossip? I, I can almost assure you that after a study of James and what it says about the tongue, uh, this week we will be challenged uh, to put these things, these truths to practice and so just just be ready just just be looking out for it Uh, i'm I'm telling myself the same thing Uh, this is another one of those effects that jesus has on our lives Uh, james will add some pretty stark warnings in chapter 3 chapter 3 verses 2 through 12 says this we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defies the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude. The similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Uh, This is why James tells us in chapter 1 to be slow to speak. So we just have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning. The bottom line, if we think we can put on our Sunday best and gather together in worship and fellowship... And, and then we go outside these walls and, and our speech does not reflect Jesus. Then we have been deceived and we need to do some serious heart checking. Uh, the next section uh, of James, the next blank on your outline. Uh, it kind of continues down this same road and tells us to beware of divided hearts. Divided hearts. Those are the next blanks on your outline. <clears throat> Let's pick it up in chapter 4 verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or opposition with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, with jealousy. 
Uh, it's the old um, devil on one shoulder and, and angel on the other, isn't it? But it's a whole lot deeper and it's a whole lot more serious than that. This is war. Our desires for pleasure war in our hearts. I have no problem catering to me. I have no problem catering to my desires. Uh, James has talked about choosing joy. Well, I'll choose joy when I get my way. That's, that's how I really feel many times. Beware the me monster. It's, it's sickening how ugly my heart can be. And, and while I might wonder, well, maybe it's just me, but I, but I know it's the human condition. Right there, whether we like it or not, the ugliest, ugliness of my divided heart is where the problems start. We know how we're supposed to live as believers, but sometimes we fail. And then when your me monster gets what it wants and my me monster doesn't, then we're going to have a me monster fight, and, and that ain't good, right? I mean, we, we know how this goes. But thankfully, through James, God gives us guidance. Look at verse 6. But he gives, what are the next verse, Next words? More grace. Not just grace, more grace. Anybody else need more grace? Or is it just me? Yeah. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. David Jeremiah wrote seven things, uh, seven commands in these next verses. Uh, to help heal our divided hearts. If you have the David Jeremiah study Bible, you'll see them right there. Uh, verse 7 says, therefore submit to God. First we have to relinquish control. The next blank on your outline. Relinquish control. Uh, Jesus is the only one that can tame the me monster. Uh, one of the hardest lessons probably of, of 2020 was, was learning that we are not in control I think many times God allows trials to happen in our lives so that we will know this truth. Because if things go too good for too long, we have a tendency to depend upon ourselves more and more. And that's just reality. That's how how it goes. Relinquish means to give up voluntarily. Voluntarily. Not forced. Uh, When we come to the place where we can say, okay God, here are the controls. You take them. I trust you, then our divided hearts begin to heal. Uh, secondly, we must resist the devil. Resist the devil. Uh, it says right there, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice that promise there. Uh, God's word is full of them that we as his children can claim. Uh, God's word says when we resist the devil, he will flee from us. So How are you doing with resisting the devil? Think about your own life. Think about your own heart. What do you struggle with? What temptation to sin seems to get you almost every time? Lust or pride or greed or gossip. Whatever it is, in order to resist the devil, you have to cut off the source. If lust is a struggle, then get rid of all the screens. If greed is a struggle, then begin to give your stuff away. If pride is a struggle, then walk away from whatever causes it. If gossip is a struggle, then stop going to those places where you hear it and are tempted to pass it on. If it seems extreme, it may be. But Jesus taught us that we need to be willing to do some extreme things in order to not let sin reign in our lives. In order to resist 
the devil. Number three is to restore worship. Restore worship. It says, uh, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, so there's another promise. When we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And that resisting uh, for a child of God should cause us to draw near to him. And when we do, he's right there to draw near to us. It's the picture of the prodigal with his dad, arms open wide, running as if he'd been waiting on him for a long time to return. It's the picture of the lost sheep and the celebration after finding it. It's, It's a picture of a lifestyle of worship drawing nearer and nearer to God. When we draw near to him, he will be there to draw near to us. The next blanks on your outline, renounce and reject sin. Renounce and reject sin. It says, uh, the word says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Again, what is the source of your temptation? Renounce it. Renounce means to formally declare one's abandonment from something. Maybe you need to make that formal declaration today in your life. I am done with, you fill in the blank. I reject it because I know it's against God. I'm tired of trying to overcome on my own. Today I renounce this sin in the power of Jesus' name. Renounce sin and reject it. Number five, react to sin with sorrow. React to sin with sorrow. Verse nine says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. So this is the proper reaction to sin. And many times we kind of take a, well, it's not so bad type of attitude. Towards this, the stuff that, that nailed Jesus to the cross. God's word says lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Church, if we're ever going to see revival, we must react to sin the way the word of God calls us to react to sin. Number six, we have to respond humbly. Respond humbly. Uh, Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Uh, James takes another opportunity to talk about pride. He knew it was an issue. Uh, Rather than feeding that me monster, uh, respond humbly even when good things happen. And notice the, the promise, God will lift you up. God will lift you up. And finally, number seven, refuse to slander a brother or sister. It goes back to that THINK acronym we we saw earlier. Verse 11, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of another brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge one another? Uh, so, so look at that list, those, those seven R's there. A lot of trials fall under these seven things. Uh, struggling to control things. Uh, see, we have to relinquish control to God. Struggling to be a friend of, of God and the world. Uh, but we have to resist the devil. Not drawing close to God. Not living a life of worship. Winking at sin rather than renouncing and rejecting it. And reacting to it with sorrow. Speaking bad about one another. A lot of our trials are birthed right here 
because we don't handle these things correctly. But when we take a biblical perspective on them, not in our strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit living in us, that's when we can find joy in trials. That's when our divided hearts are healed. That's when we aren't deceived by so many things. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, No one can serve two masters. Verse 33, Seek first His kingdom and the, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So can you see the influences of, of Jesus on His half-brother James? Can you see the wisdom oozing out of this rich book? As we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes? We've covered a lot of ground this morning. What has God said to you? What are you going to do about it?